In 2011, Logan Watts got fed up with the rat race and set off on a bike trip from Mexico to Panama with his wife, blogging about the trip all along the way. Nine years later, that blog is transformed into bikepacking.com, the center for all things bikepacking on the internet. And Logan has become one of the most influential figures in the rising bikepacking movement. Welcome to the Cane Creek Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Bukowski. And a few days ago, I sat down with Logan via Skype and had a conversation with him about his adventures and what bikepacking really means to him. So stay with us. All right. Well, Logan Watts, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I think that a lot of our followers, listeners over the years may have heard the term bikepacking. It's fairly self-explanatory, right? But let's just start from there. What is bikepacking? I always use a term to define it in terms of mountain biking. It's uh, multi-day mountain biking. That's kind of a assimilation of backpacking and cycling. So I mean, I think a lot of people have different takes on it. You know, obviously it can be gravel cycling, it can be mountain biking, it can be more all road type of stuff. So I think there's some different kind of factions, if you will, there. But generally speaking, it's, you know, the combination of uh, backpacking and cycling. How did you get into it? How did you get into it personally? And I guess the second piece of that question is there's a far leap from getting into something to founding a website and essentially making it your your career. So, yeah, if you don't mind, kind of share that journey for us. Sure. Well, I mean, back in, I guess it was 20, 2011, I owned a design firm and uh, pretty stressed out. You know, it was, it was basically ran a design firm during the, the Great Recession. And, uh, you know, obviously clients were abusive at that point in time. It was just kind of crazy. So, I started looking and, you know, I was mountain biking at the time and my rides just kept getting longer and uh, kind of more adventurous, I guess. And, you know, digging around the internet, I started finding all these blogs of people who were, you know, essentially bike touring at the time as, you know, bikepacking wasn't really, I mean, it was a term, but it wasn't widely used. But, you know, I found these uh, bike tourists who were pushing it a little bit and doing more off-road stuff. And, uh, you know, Cass Gilbert, Joe Cruz, who, you know, ironically are both people I work with regularly now, but, you know, they were kind of pushing the boundaries of, of what bike touring was. And that just clicked, you know, I saw it and I was like, holy cow, you can travel and ride dirt and, you know, explore and all this stuff. And I was like, I got to do that. So I essentially planned on, I, I essentially quit my job, sold my design firm and, uh, my wife and I took off to ride from Mexico to Panama. So that was kind of my first trip. I mean, at that point in time, we were, you know, riding panniers and packed way too much stuff. You know, we had like spatula, cooking spatulas and whisks and camping chairs and all kinds of crap that we didn't really need. But, you know, the more I did it, the more I liked, you know, these kind of dirt routes and, uh, um, you know, having all that stuff was kind of, was not the most friendly setup for that type of riding. So, yeah, that's kind of how, how it was all, how it all started for me. I mean, when I got back from that trip, I kind of ditched the panniers, did more of a bike packing setup on my full suspension bike. And, you know, I was doing more stuff like that. So, yeah. And then, then that transitioned into the website, right? Well, for that trip, we started a blog. It was called Pedaling Nowhere. 
And so it's basically a travel blog, much like, you know, the others by, you know, Cass and Joe and all those folks. And um, at some point in time, I kind of got the idea that I wanted to start publishing routes and, and sharing these routes because, you know, it was, you know, I think, I guess around 2012, 2013, GPS and GPX tracks and things like that weren't, weren't as widely used or widely understood as they are now but they were kind of gaining ground. So to me, it just kind of clicked. I was like, you know, somebody needs to be sharing this stuff because it's a wealth of information. It's a cool community. You know, people want to ride these kind of interesting, more interesting dirt, dirt road, single track, gravel, mixed terrain routes. And so I came up with that idea to, to start publishing these. And, you know, I talked to Cass and Joe and a couple other people about it. And they were like, yeah, that's, that's sounds awesome. You know, let's do it. So we started collaborating uh, we kept it under the name Pedaling Nowhere, so it was still kind of a blog at that point. Um, eventually, it just kind of picked up a whole lot of steam. I had the chance of getting the domain bikepacking.com in 2014, and then kind of rebranded, and it's just been growing ever since. Yeah, and you know, you kind of touched on something with the panniers. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I've I've kind of heard some of the old timers say uh, is well, this, this whole new bike packing thing, we've been touring for years We've people have been touring for years. So, um, you know, I don't know that there has to be some religious distinction, right. But what, how would you kind of differentiate bike packing from classic, you know, bike touring? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, you can use Pan Air still. It's not like I'm condemning Pan Airs cause they're a great tool. Um, I, you know, I think the main difference for me and one that that I actually spent a lot of time trying to define before we, before we rebranded to bikepacking.com was, was coming up with a definition of exactly what bikepacking is and, you know, distinguishing that from bike touring. And it's really the, the terrain. I mean, it's, it's, it's more about getting off-road, getting off the beaten path. Um, I mean, that's kind of changed a little bit over the years. I mean, obviously bike tourists have always done, you know, gravel cycling it's and dirt roads, it's nothing terribly new. I mean, you look back at, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Rough Stuff Fellowship, that's a bunch of, so, you know, they've, they've been doing this stuff forever. And, uh, you know, they probably call it bike touring. So uh, to me, it's more about the terrain and more of the minimalist sensibilities, uh, you know, packing lighter, um, you know, to some people it's going faster you know i think the term bikepacking probably had its resurgence around races like the tour divide um you know where it became this kind of uh you know must to have ultralight gear and different setups to go fast and try to you know break records on a on a dirt route but yeah i guess to answer your question i think the the big distinction for me is 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 the uh is the type of terrain I mean, we, we usually don't publish any bike packing route unless it's at least 50% off road. Um, that, I mean, not that's a hard and fast rule, but that's just generally how we kind of look at it. Typically our routes are, you know, more along the lines of 75% dirt or off pavement and up. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's kind of, also something that might segue into, you know, why bikepacking is popular because, 
you know, you look at what's, what's happening with gravel cycling and it's essentially, I think a lot of people trying to get off the roads, um, you know, it's not terribly safe these days and you know, there's more and more traffic and everybody and their brother are driving around using their cell phones. So, you know, I think both of the, both gravel cycling and bike packing are, are, are becoming more, more and more popular because people want to, want to get off the road. And escape. I mean, I, <laughs> I feel yeah, like that's true. I feel like all of us want to, <laughs> from this year, it's, it's interesting just as a, you know, um, it seems like a lot of people are, are wanting to get on a bike and escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to I escape mean, from. Yeah. 2020, everybody's going to escape from that pretty as fast as possible, I guess. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to put you on the spot too much cause I know you're a humble dude. Um, but it's got to be interesting that, uh, you know, yeah, there's the tour divide and all these things that you mentioned, but I feel like you have, let's say, at least been right on the the forefront of bringing this all together into somewhat of a movement. And then you've you've started to see certainly over the last um, five years, equipment manufacturers and frame manufacturers, um, and, and you know, I think of salsa, and they're really responding to the idea of bike packing and the bike packing movement. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not the mass mainstream that other forms of cycling are, but you know how's that? How's that feel? And is is that is is bike packing becoming something more mainstream? Do you feel? I do. Um, you know, I think it's 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 been pretty pretty amazing to watch. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I generally just feel like I was kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, and it's been really fun to see, but I mean, yeah, you have, you know, uh, camping gear manufacturers like big Agnes coming out with, you know, bike packing specific tent. Uh, Nemo just came out with one as well. And then obviously all the bike companies who are coming out with bike packing specific bikes and, you know, various attachment, cargo carriers, bags, you know, you name it. It's kind of, it's been this whirlwind of products for the last three or four years. And it's, pretty amazing it's pretty cool to see and i think i mean obviously backpacking has been extremely popular since i don't know maybe the 60s or the 70s um you know through through hiker stuff and gear and you know content and websites is there's a lot of it and i think it's just kind of a natural progression for cycling because it truly is i mean in my opinion when we started when we started bikepacking it was more along, it was more about kind of overseas international trips, you know, going to these kind of far flung places and seeing amazing, you know, amazing scenery and landscapes and cultures and meeting all these incredible people and, you know, having that level of experience, um, which is awesome, but it's also, you know, about just kind of getting out your backyard. I mean, I can leave from my house and I have like four or five different one night overnighters that I can do from here that are equals equally as incredible. So I think there's just such a breadth to it. And, uh, you know, I think bike companies in the industry has just seen that and, uh, people have kind of connected the dots from backpacking and kind of what it's done. And yeah, I think it's just kind of a natural progression. That's, that's, uh, that people are going to do once, 
once people get into cycling, they it seems to me like they tend to explore it to the max and do whatever they can to, um, you know, do different forms of cycling or different types of trips, ride different types of bikes. And this is just, just one more of those. Yeah. You have a lot of resources on the website for people at all levels uh, of bikepacking. Um, but if people are just hearing this for the first time, um, what would be your advice on like, okay, how do I get into it? I mean, I always point people to our overnighters map, which, you know, the, typically people get inspired, you know, our most, most popular pages on our site are our routes. Um, that's kind of our biggest area and, and one that gets the most traffic. So we have a whole page, spikepacking.com slash overnighters, which is essentially all one night trips. You know, there's some in there that are extremely hard. There's some that are very easy. Um, and there's some, you know, that, that uh, are kind of in the middle. But at any rate, I always tell people to, you know, if they're already a cyclist, if they're already a mountain biker or, or, or they're already a gravel cyclist, then just kind of, you know, find something near their home. Um, you know, find somewhere to camp that's off a trail or off a gravel road, like a national forest or a state park campground or, you know, something like that. And just go do a short over overnighter. Um, you can essentially just do that pretty simply by strapping, you know, some very, very basic gear onto your bike. You don't even need to buy the bags at first. I mean, my first bike packing trip, I essentially strapped a sleeping bag on a dry bag to my handlebars, you know, put a dry bag on my seat under the saddle and kind of put a strap around it and, you know, strap some other stuff to the frame and, had a backpack and just kind of took off and went and stayed in a, a camping shelter. It was actually the, the, uh, the rich mountain shelter up off the black mountain trail. <clears throat> but I mean, it's, it's as easy as that. And I think people, people get mired down in all the gear and think they need a specific bike and everything like that, but you don't. So that's all. That's what I always tell people at first is just, you know, take what they have, go do something very simple and kind of, you know, make a little shakedown and, and see if you like it. I mean, most people will. Um, so yeah, it's kind of usually my first advice. This is a question that I'm asking everybody I talk to lately, but, uh, COVID's changed so many things for so many, so many people. Uh, do you see that it's changed anything for bike packing or is that just one of the great benefits of bike packing that, uh, that it's a little bit of an escape? Well, I guess I'll answer that on two levels. Um, it's definitely changed things for the website. Uh, first of all, bizarrely enough, our traffic just went crazy. Um, so our traffic almost doubled back in you know April or, or March or April. I can't remember, but it was pretty intense, like how much traffic we were getting. Um, obviously, there you know more people at home, more people with not as much to do maybe or more, more people just looking for an escape. I'm not exactly sure. So there's that. <laughs> um, I don't know how that's going to play out because I have a feeling that, you know, content might start to dry up a little bit, you know, because people aren't getting out as much. So maybe you might not have as many, you know, contributor submissions for storytelling and things like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out yet. But in terms of, you know, on another level, in terms of, how it's changed bikepacking 
you know, I guess, you know, what I mentioned earlier, that overnighters map that we created, which we did well before the, the pandemic happened, you know, conveniently enough. But I, I do think that people are paying more attention to doing uh, or, or getting more into doing trips from their house or kind of near them, which is cool. People should be doing that anyways. It's it's kind of a fun way to explore your own your own woods in your own backyard. But I think, yeah, I think that's something that people are taking more of a notice. And so I have one question that I always ask everybody, but before I get to that, I'm going to ask you another question. <laughs> that's uh, that's, that's, I'm sure a lot of people are uh, probably interested in hearing. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about one of the more memorable bikepacking trips you've Yeah. I guess I can, you know, there's so many that would qualify for like being the best trip. I always have a hard time with this one because it's, you know, on one hand, it's really hard to separate, you know, the most fantastic riding and landscapes and scenery from, you know, trips that were just flat out fun because you were with the right group or you had, the, you know, it was just such a good dynamic or, or, or you know, some bizarre instances happened along the way so it's kind of a tough question but you know two to me that really stand out um, one of which was was uh, when we rode across Cuba which was an amazing trip I mean I, I wouldn't even say that the riding was that spectacular it was pretty good there was some some neat stuff a lot of uh, kind of dirt dirt roads um, but Cuba is generally, you know, a lot of it's flat. There's essentially three mountain ranges on the, on the, uh, in the country. So you kind of cross one mountain range then you're on this, you know, a lot of flat for a few days and you cross another mountain range and then you're on a lot of flat. So it's not the, I wouldn't say it's the most exciting riding, but the experience was absolutely amazing. I mean, the people are, were just phenomenal. We had some of the most interesting conversations and, kind of meetings with with folks who invite us into their homes and you know it was it was unbelievable i mean on one of the last days we were riding across we were kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and kind of this i would say very poor farming area and we stopped because we just couldn't it was getting dark and we couldn't really find anywhere that was seemed legitimate to camp so we stopped and you know asked this this uh this young man and, and this older lady um we, we stopped and asked them you know if there was a place that we could camp on their farmland and they got super excited and told us you know brought us in told us you know cleared out a spot in their yard where told us to camp there then they like invited us in and cooked us dinner with, with they like had a chicken and i mean it was unbelievable but these these were you know people who were you know probably very poor farmers um and they just it was amazing and they they had such uh a curiosity and and you know wanted to talk to us and uh you know we felt kind of bad for for them making us dinner and giving us their food but it was unbelievable and we had so many experiences like that in cuba um then the, the other trip I mentioned, I guess, was is more of along the lines of just you know fantastic riding scenery, and that would be Kyrgyzstan when we went there to scout out a, a new route called the Tian Shan Traverse. Um, it's kind of a a U-shaped route. It's almost a loop, 
but I mean, it you know goes up to thirteen some odd thousand feet. Um, just total alpine riding, unbelievable scenery, uh, fantastic dirt roads. There's no there's no fences there, so you can essentially ride anywhere. It's very nomadic culture. Um, people there were incredible as well, but I mean, the riding and scenery were just breathtaking. So the last question I I have to ask is personally for you, what's your favorite bike you've ever owned? My favorite bike I've ever owned. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. I mean, I would probably have to say that it was my Surly Krampus, but I, you know, I think it's probably my favorite because it was the bike that you know, I was using just a lot when I was starting to really get into bike packing. And it's just, you know, it was a unique bike at the time, 29 plus, you know, fully rigid, just kind of, it's a weird bike back then. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably my favorite bike I've ever owned. And that's the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us online at canecreek.com slash podcast or on Instagram at Cane Creek USA and Facebook at Cane Creek Cycling Components. We will be back with another episode in about a month. Thank you for listening.